Welcome to the Walk Podcast of the Thompson Institute, a podcast for students and faculty on your walk across campus as a resource for your spiritual journey. I'm Aaron Badenhop. And I'm Jordan Browning. And we are your hosts and fellow Buckeyes. Join us as we conclude our interview with Dr. James K. Smith as we ask questions about whether or not the Enlightenment Project has really made us enlightened human beings after all, and are science and faith opposed to one another. Well, uh, I want to finish our time with you talking a little bit about your book, Who's Afraid of Postmodernism? Mm. And uh, actually, Jordan, you have a uh, an interesting question about oh brother where art thou? Yeah, mm. I, I, I'm. I confess I'm not done with the book yet. Sure, no, no. Uh, but hopefully by the time someone's listening to this, I have I'm done <laughs> with it. Um, yeah, I, I love that you in each chapter as you approach uh, a different postmodern philosopher, you kind of begin by walking through kind of the plot or narrative of a of a movie to kind of help maybe set the stage for. Yeah what that philosopher is trying to say and how it might not um, be incompatible with Christianity today. Um, I, and I loved, um, in, in the chapter, it's Leotard, right? That's yeah. how you say mm-hmm. it, French guy. Um, yeah, you use the movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Uh, maybe could you explain or, or walk through for the listener how um, that movie illustrates... Um, Maybe uh, what we're experiencing now, where I think even in the chapter you talk about, we're not completely postmodern, we're not completely mod, we're in this weird overlap, right, right. and that that movie does a good job of right. kind of explaining that tension. So the hook there is um, Jean-Francois Lyotard famously defines postmodernity or postmodernism as incredulity towards meta-narratives, right? Very, very famous. English department would be talking about this. Well, it would have been 20 years ago, okay? <laughs> yeah. So... Um, meta-narratives for, for Leotard are these kind of very modern enlightenment tales about our enlightenment, you know, sure. oh, how we became rational, how we became scientific, we threw off myth, mm-hmm. uh, and now we, we are scientists. And uh, what's cool is, and, and by the way, he's saying postmodernism doesn't buy those meta-narratives of enlightenment anymore. This is why I'm arguing that postmodernism, the postmodern critique of modernity is actually an ally of the Christian critique of modernity because insofar as modernity wanted to kind of rule out faith and tradition from our public lives, um, postmodernism in the same way says, no, um, modernity can't just kind of keep myth outside the gates because it keeps believing in something, right? And so in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? you get uh, um, George Clooney's character who, who on the one hand takes himself to be this enlightened individual in the South. Uh, he's all excited about the hydroelectric dam that's coming in and we're going to wire things up and, and um, trust science. But what happens is is these incursions of the mysterious keep kind of upsetting him and so you have the prophet character and you have uh, uh, um, all these sorts of mysterious events and coincidences mm-hmm. and and he in a way doesn't get the luxury of not having to face up to the mysterious mm-hmm. and of course it's a retelling of homer in in powerful ways so it's kind of a cool the, the very sense in which when we want to congratulate ourselves on how enlightened and rational we are at the same time we are trusting in other myths 
So you can't just neatly and tidily distinguish the two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Well, I wanted to ask you, um, how do you think Christians have responded to the claims of scientific advancement rooted in the Enlightenment project that have been unhelpful? In other words, is there a sin that the Christian church ought to confess in terms of how the church has responded to the Enlightenment project? Yeah, unfortunately, mostly what that looked like was, um, first of all, the church missed... Well, okay, the church might be here too vague, but let's say in North America, and particularly in the United States, um, Protestantism uh, especially sort of treated modernity and the science that emerged from that as antithetical to Christian faith. So what you got was the modernist fundamentalist controversies of the early 20th century, late 19th, early 20th century. And so then they set it up as a dichotomy. Either we take, we believe science or we believe the Bible, which is just a terrible, terrible way to frame this. Hmm. In no small part, because actually a lot of the practices of attention to the natural world that bequeathed to us the modern sciences uh, themselves grew out of certain Christian intuitions and disciplines and practices. So at their emergence, these weren't taken to be competing. Hmm. And then what, what is interesting is, like, for example, already in the late 1800s, at Princeton Theological Seminary, which is a very conservative Presbyterian seminary, uh, people like B.B. Warfield and Charles Hodge had no problem with Christians, for example, thinking about the emergence of creation in evolutionary terms, because they thought anybody who had sort of intellectual honesty about reading what they would call the book of nature and the evidences that seemed to s- we saw there, would it would seem that that book is telling us, well, he, this seems to be the mechanics of it, right? Mm-hmm. So they didn't conclude that it was either creation or atheistic evolution, right? There, there was a much more creative way of thinking about that. So um, I, I think um, especially evangelicals have fallen into a trap of treating these things as antithetical when, in fact, at their origin, they were not synonymous, but they were definitely in the mix together. Mm. And um, what it has done is it's created a bunch of stumbling blocks and hurdles for people, so that some people have the impression now, oh, if I am going to believe Christianity, I have to say no to science, which mm-hmm. is just really, really wrong and mm-hmm. unfortunate. And um, this goes back a little bit to your question too, which is we we have also politicized the identification of Christianity in some ways, so that um, uh, let, so let's not just think about orange. Let's think about say climate sci- science. Yeah, um, we have so politicized climate science that now Christians. Some Christians have fallen into the trap of thinking, well, because I'm a Christian, I have to conclude this, even though I've never looked at the evidence. So mm-hmm. I, I think it's really one of the worst kind of um, deformations of the Christian imagination that really compromises um, the intellectual integrity of the faith in our modern context. It mm-hmm. is a follow-up to that. Uh, yeah, this doesn't need to be a long mm-hmm. answer, but even just this past week, had conversations with students on campus who, when we engaged with them in, in conversations about God's spirituality, the, answer, the like what they would say is, you know, I believe in science, I trust science, yeah, yeah. so I... Which is a confession, have, by the way. Yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> I have, I can't, 
you know, I don't, right. the Bible, it's, you know, nice stories. There's some good, like, what would be your follow-up question? Like, if you were in that conversation, like, how would you get someone maybe even to, like, think a little bit deeper about, like, um, that, that there isn't that yeah, dichotomy? Yeah, 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 I, don't, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would better. say um, it, it, it's odd to hear that somebody thinks the natural sciences uh, can somehow lead you to a position about what's ultimate. Do you know what I mean? So like mm. to, to trust science as then giving you a kind of metaphysics, a belief, an, a cosmology in what's ultimate is not what science itself is ever designed to do, right? So um, you're actually asking more of science than science itself promises. Now, and, and by the way, I don't think most scientists sure. make that move. Sure. Certain people who like to write in op-ed pages like Richard Dawkins, they actually make extra scientific claims for science. But I think most bench scientists don't fall into that trap. And they, they realize that a science, science is not a metaphysics, right? It's not a cosmology. But then I, what I would invite them to say is, oh, wait, 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 don't assume that you think that because I'm a Christian, I think I have to say no to science. That's yeah. a false dichotomy. It's yeah, absolutely yeah. a false dichotomy. And um, uh, I, I think we need to do a lot more work to help people overcome that dichotomy. Mm. I wanted to ask you about another uh, reference in a footnote because you. I love it that you read the footnotes. That's great. <laughs> oh, I love your footnotes. I love footnotes. footnotes. <laughs> um, I so all over those footnotes. Uh, in this book, you talk about a forthcoming book entitled "Holy Wars and Democratic Crusades: <laughs> Deconstructing Myths of Religious Violence and Secular Peace." And I scoured Amazon, yeah, and I could not find that book. Yeah, that did not happen. Isn't and that I, funny how you sort of make little permissory notes in, uh, in your footnotes? It doesn't, here's why it didn't happen. So that was some, some research I was doing at the time on actually uh, philosophy of a French philosopher named Jacques Derrida, who uh, has done some really interesting work on religion and violence and so on. And, and part of the argument is that, you know, there's a kind of standard trope, which is... Um, it's religion that brought violence to the world and it's secular liberal enlightenment that delivered us from violence. And that's just an absolute BS story. Like it, it, does, it doesn't work. Uh, um, not, that, not that religion is pure or has unclean hands. It's just that it's not near as simple as that. And, hmm. and the slaughters that have taken place in the 20th century under the rubric of secular uh, enlightenment are massive, okay? So part of the so there was I was doing some interesting work on that time and democratic peace theory is this interesting political theory about uh, um, democratic nations don't go to war with one another so as much as you could if you could expand the realm of democratic societies you would actually diminish uh, war there's still interesting conversations there the reason I, I got called in sort of other directions but I'll also just make a plug here for my friend Bill Cavanaugh who since I wrote that footnote published a book called The Myth of Religious Violence mm. and it, he basically said everything I would have hoped to say much better and uh, so in The Myth of Religious Violence Cavanaugh makes this very, very careful claim about you can't simply demonize religion as a cause of violence. There are all kinds of secular causes of violence. There are actually overwhelming uh, examples and models of where religious motivations generate people into peacekeeping roles and, and witness that secular projects have not. So it's a, it's, um, I, in a way, I was released from having to keep that promise because Bill did his work. <laughs> yeah. Great. As a final question, maybe, okay. even just to help wrap it up, okay. I, I'm wondering, someone listening right now, walking to class, 
sitting in their dorm room, whatever they're doing. What would be a good next, or, uh, I don't know what, next step, takeaway, question to think about maybe from, from this conversation, or even from your perspective, what would you hope that, that a student at Ohio State um, started to think a little bit more deeply about mm. as, as mm. they go through their college experience? Yeah, we've talked about a lot. I mean, maybe yeah. a couple things that come to mind is um, maybe give yourself a chance to ask, why am I here and what is an education for, right? So, so think about what is my calling and vocation as a student right now? Yeah. You're, you've, you're given an incredible privilege and opportunity. Don't waste that. And, and um, uh, how is this making me a better human being? Um, maybe that's part of it. And maybe another, just, I would just encourage, and this will sound very generic, but, um, try putting your assumptions aside more often and sort of attending and listening to those who disagree with you. I think that just applies across the board. We live in a, in an age which is so given to ideological echo chambers where we just Mm. keep moving into spaces where everybody already agrees with us and all we hear is confirmation bias. I I think a university is a great opportunity to um, bump into people and listen to people that you don't agree with and um, uh, to to learn the discipline of not not giving up what you believe but just setting aside your assumptions about what you think you know of your opponents or your sure. interlocutors yeah. and cultivating the habit of charitable listening yeah. uh, before we come to judgment, I think, is at the heart of the university. Oh, that's awesome. Thanks. Well, thank you, Dr. Smith, so much for taking the time to have these conversations with us. We really appreciate it. And um, yeah, thank My you. pleasure. Thanks yeah. very much. It's great. Dr. Smith, at the end of our interview, said something very interesting. He talked about how no matter our worldview, whether we're a Christian, a non-religious person, we would do better as a society to grow in being more charitable listeners. And uh, that's something that we really resonated with. And uh, as the Walk podcast and the Thompson Institute program, we, we want to be charitable listeners. And there's two ways that we see ourselves expressing that. Yeah. Yeah, the first is that we, we really want to hear your opinions and questions related to the content of what Dr. Smith had to say over these past four uh, podcasts. Your criticisms, your questions, any alternative ideas that you have, uh, they're very welcome. If possible, we'll do what we can uh, in future podcasts to address what you, the listener, might have to say. So please, please visit the thethompsoninstitute.org, and there you'll find a place where you can offer your questions and comments. And the second way that we want to be charitable listeners is this. We want to be listeners of a dialogue with uh, with someone who holds a different worldview than us. So we're hosting an event on February 15th, which is a Thursday, and we'll have an atheist philosopher, a Christian philosopher, discussing the question, why do human beings have value and worth? So mark your calendar, February 15th, uh, 7 p.m., Rashawn Auditorium. We're, uh, we're expecting thousands of folks to come out and... Uh, you can find out more information at thethompsoninstitute.org. Thanks so much for listening to the walk of the Thompson Institute. The personal views presented by the scholars and professors on our podcast do not represent the views of their employer. For upcoming events and for more information, visit thethompsoninstitute.org, a program of crew at Ohio State.